There's a joke I always like to tell whenever I see anybody with the dictionary or they're saying, look it up in the dictionary. I always like to say, well, I tried reading the dictionary once, but I just couldn't follow the plot. It brings moans, but it also brings chuckles because, of course, there is no plot. The dictionary is simply a collection of definitions and facts with no plot or storyline. But the Bible is not a mere collection of facts and proof texts. The Bible has a plot. The Bible has a storyline. It's a love story. By reading the Bible the way you would a dictionary, things are taken out of context, and we miss the purpose of why the Bible was written. Please don't try to read the greatest love story the way you would read a lifeless dictionary. Don't miss the entire reason. The Bible was written. In John 20, verse 31, it says, But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. In Jacqueline Van Marsen's book, My Name is Anne, she said, Anne Frank, Jacqueline tells the story about the, her best friend, Anne Frank. <coughs> when Anne Frank went into hiding, she could not tell her best friend goodbye. That would have been too dangerous. In order to protect your family, you simply disappeared with no explanation to anyone. While in hiding, Anne did write a goodbye letter to Jacqueline, telling her that she was sorry she could not say goodbye and that she did care for her friend. Having no possible way to deliver the letter, Anne simply hid it in her diary. After being caught and taken to a concentration camp, Anne died just three weeks before American forces came to liberate the camp. Anne's father was the only one in the family to survive the war. When he returned to the village where his family and he were captured, he found the house where they stayed. The landlord was still there. She gave Anne's father Anne's diary that she had found in the attic. Anne's father saw the letter to Jacqueline and found her and gave her the letter. Finally, Jacqueline could read the letter her friend so lovingly wrote, even though she had no way of delivering it or knowing that it ever would be delivered. Anne Frank wrote a letter with no possible way of delivering that letter. In the middle of the chaos of a war where neighborhoods were blown to smithereens and all of Europe was in upheaval, God watched over that letter and made sure that it got into the hands of the person Anne wrote it to. Why did God protect that letter in the middle of chaos and war? Because Jacqueline needed to know she was loved. In the middle of a cosmic conflict between good and evil, Christ and Satan, God wrote a love letter to all humanity. He wrote that letter not just to prove that he was right, but to prove that he loved us. And friend, he wrote that letter to you. Satan has done all he could to destroy that letter to make sure it never got into your hands. Yet men gave their lives to preserve that letter and to translate that letter into your language. The Bible is the one book that man has tried to wipe out for centuries, and yet it is the one book that has survived for centuries. God has watched over his own love letter to make sure that it got into your hands.
Why did God protect that letter in the middle of the chaos of a cosmic war? Because you need to know that you are loved. Now suppose once Anne's letter was miraculously placed into Jacqueline's hands, she thought to herself, this looks boring. I don't think I want to read it. That would be unthinkable. Yet after all God has done to miraculously place the Bible into the hands of people, that's the attitude many have. That is so sad. I pray that you take time to read God's miraculous love letter to you. Years ago, I was in a church that was having a prophecy seminar, and a young man, I'll call Nate in our story, and his wife uh, came into the church. They were fascinated by all the prophecies, especially the mark of the beast. Nate understood that the mark of the beast was choosing a common day of worship over the day God had made holy. Nate loved talking and theorizing about how the mark would actually be administered. Would it be a computer program? A chip? Would it be a debit card? Instead of absorbing his mind with the love of Jesus, he absorbed his mind with conspiracy theories surrounding Bible prophecy. One day I was hanging out with Nate and his wife when, as usual, he started talking about how the mark of the beast would be given. This time I finally asked him, Nate, suppose you knew exactly how the mark would be administered. How would that information make you more like Jesus and help you love him more? Nate gave me a look of surprise and a response similar to, what does that have to do with anything? Sadly, Nate and his wife did not stay long in the church. He was wrapped up in prophecy conspiracies and proof texts and never did truly see the love letter that was placed in his hand. When I first came to another church where I was a Bible worker, I met a couple of men in the church who were staunch King James Version only men. They were always putting together presentations touting the supremacy of the KJV, forgetting that it also is a version of the Bible. It's not the original manuscripts. The two men worked together during the week. One day I was at their office, and as always, they were having an intellectual conversation on the virtues of the KJV. Well, since I am fairly a simple guy and obviously not too intellectual, I decided to try to simplify the discussion and bring it down to my level. Since I was still relatively new to their church, in order to become better acquainted, I asked them how they came to know Jesus as their Savior and how his love has changed their lives. They both looked at me like a deer in the headlights. Neither of them could simply tell me what Jesus meant to them. Now, I thought this was interesting because several years earlier, I was at a camp meeting in Oklahoma, a church camp meeting, and I was with my friend in her tent visiting while her 13-year-old daughter was sitting outside of the tent uh, visiting with a boy about her age. Well, the boy had uh, come to camp meeting with his grandfather. His grandfather had just become a Christian and was the first one in the family who was a Christian. And so this was the boy's first exposure, really, to Christianity. And so 
he's sitting outside the tent with my friend's daughter, and I remember him asking, what is this Jesus stuff about anyway? And so, of course, my ears perked up. I'm like, well, what is she going to say? Is she going to go to Daniel 9, you know, in the 70 weeks or start with the book of John? She didn't do either of those. Immediately, she said, before my mom and I met Jesus, we yelled at each other, we were always arguing, and I could not stand being in my home. But now that we both know Jesus, we don't yell at each other, we don't argue, and I love my home. That 13-year-old girl, without any hesitation, was able to explain what Jesus meant to her and how he had changed her life. These two men that I was in their office with could go on about documentation about manuscripts and and proof texts and all of this, but they couldn't tell me how much they loved Jesus. They couldn't tell me what Jesus meant to them. They couldn't tell me how Jesus changed their life. And I thought that was very sad. A while back I was talking with an I was talking with an Adventist missionary pastor who's known for his solid Adventist theology. Even with his devoted appreciation of Adventist theology, he shared with me why the Adventist church is not growing more. He said, "We are so con- concentrated on being right that we forget to be relational." Jesus was always right, but he was also always relational. While sharing proof texts, do we also teach people how to have their own personal relationship with Jesus? Do we present the Bible to the unbeliever as a collection of proof texts or as a love letter? Thousands have made it through the Adventist school system with their minds filled with proof texts about the Sabbath and the state of the dead, but their hearts have never read the love letter that was in their hands. Thousands have sat in prophecy seminars where proof texts were shared on the screen, one right after the other, proving we are right. But did they see anything relational? Here's what Ellen White said in regard to those who use isolated verses as proof texts to prove their own belief, which applies to Adventists as well. This is from uh, the Review and Herald. August 13, 1959. Some will take a text, rest it from its true bearing, and force it into service to sustain some preconceived opinion. By linking together isolated passages of Scripture, they may, they may deceive others. But what appears to be Bible proof for their position is no proof whatever. For the Scriptures are not used in their true setting. And this way, error is often magnified and truth diminished. Those who thus rest the scriptures to sustain error greatly dishonor God, and in the day of judgment they will be held responsible for the disobedience of those who through their sophistries have been led to disregard the divine law. End of quote. Simply put, proof texting is where you look for verses in the Bible to prove what you believe instead of reading it with an open mind, 
like the Bereans did in Acts 17.11. God did not protect Anne's letter during the chaos of war to prove that Anne was right. He protected it to prove Jacqueline was loved. Jesus did not die on the cross to prove he was right. He died to prove that you are loved. God preserved the Bible so you would know you are loved. Don't read the Bible the way you would a dictionary. It's not just a mere collection of proof texts. It's a love letter. Don't miss the entire reason why the Bible was written. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. John 20, 31. I would like to invite you to uh, visit my website, williamdearnhart.com, and I would uh, love to uh, hear any comments that you have to share with me. Thank you for listening.